Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, thank you. I'm glad that you could join us here at Life Church on this last Sunday before Christmas. And as Doug said, I really want to personally invite you to our Christmas Eve service that's coming up tomorrow night at 6 p.m. It'll be our first Christmas Eve service in this building, and we're excited about it. If you can possibly make it, we encourage you to come. We're going to be sharing the Christmas story, singing some more Christmas carols, having a time of communion and some candlelight. So we're looking forward to that. Invite a friend. You don't want to miss out. Well, if today is the 23rd, then Christmas is just two days away, isn't it? On the 25th, it's coming whether we're ready or not. And today we're continuing in our Who is, Mes Who is Jesus message series. And the message is entitled, Jesus, Our Savior. What is the reason or who is the reason for the season? It's Jesus. Jesus is why we celebrate Christmas. Some 2,000 years ago, a baby was born and we still celebrate him today. Some people just enjoy the festive holidays. Some people enjoy the giving of gifts, but nothing is, nothing is wrong with those things. But we need to focus on the real reason. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Christmas is all about Jesus. And as we get started this morning, I'd like you to watch a short video called Jesus, the Nativity. So the birth of Jesus changed our world forever. It was a revolutionary event. And we're going to look at today why Jesus' birth had such an impact on our world. It wasn't just his birth, was it? After he was born, he grew up and he lived a life of incredible meaning, of teaching unlike any other that the world had ever heard. And then he died a cruel death on the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And so those events of Jesus' life from his birth through his death and resurrection have incredible significance for us today. And we want to look at that today. It makes a difference for every person on the face of this planet. Too often we simply 
get wrapped up in the busyness of the season, don't we? And the gifts we have to give and the trees we have to decorate. We need to take some time to think about the true significance of the season. Why is Christmas so very important? First question we look at. And the reason Christmas is so important is that God himself came to earth. Now in the middle of your bulletins, there's a white page that has the outline like this written out. And the verses we're going to be looking at from the Bible today. Uh, if you'd like to pull that out, take some notes, some fill in the blanks. Uh, would help you to concentrate today and to look at it during the week as well. Now, if Jesus' birth was just a normal birth, what difference would it make? I mean, there's billions of babies have been born in the world today, or up till this point in the world. But it was not just a normal birth, and that's why we're talking about it today, because Jesus was not just an ordinary human baby. On Christmas, the Bible tells us that God himself came to earth. Let that sink in. God himself came to earth in human form on that first Christmas. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. And so this Jesus that was born on the first Christmas didn't just begin in Mary's womb. He didn't just come into being in the stable on that Christmas night. No, he existed before creation. In fact, this verse tells us that Jesus was active in creation. He is the one who created everything that was. And so he lived in heaven before he came to earth. And this Verse tells us, these verses tell us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And what that means is when you look at Jesus, you see what God is like. How can we know what God is like? Let's just look at Jesus. I always think it's amazing that when God decided to come to earth, he didn't come with great publicity, he didn't come with great fanfare in front of cheering crowds, he came in a manger. Born to a simple peasant girl. You had to look for him to find him. Why did Jesus come in this way? Well, there are many reasons, but let's look at Hebrews 2.14. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, speaking of Jesus, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And so you and I are made of flesh and blood. And so Jesus came in the same way. He came to share our humanity. You and I were born. Jesus was born. He humbled himself. He came down from his throne in heaven. Incredible splendor, incredible glory to be born in a lowly stable. He came so that we could relate to him. How can you relate to a God who's so far above what we are? But we can relate to a baby, can't we? We can relate to another person who walked on the same soil that we walk upon. And Jesus came so that he could understand us even better. Not just look at us from a distance, but 
live among us and experience the same things that we experience. The Jesus who was born 2,000 years ago didn't go around with a little halo lighting his head. He looked like everybody else. He faced the same struggles, the same temptations that we do. He suffered. He experienced pain. He got hungry. He got tired. And yet he never sinned. He always did the right thing. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. And so this Christmas, Christmas 2012, Jesus knows what you're going through. There's not a person seated here that's not dealing with some difficulty, that's not dealing with some problem in their life, and Jesus understands. Jesus sympathizes with your weaknesses because he's gone through difficulties and problems in life as well. Problems with other people. For some, Christmas is not a happy time. Some may think of loved ones who are no longer here. Others may wish certain things were different in their lives. For some people looking ahead to the new year, that's a troubling time because we don't know what it's going to bring. We may be worried about future difficulties. But if you're worried about any of those things this Christmas, if any of those ideas are pressing in on your life, know that Jesus Christ understands what you're going through. He cares about you. He loves you. He has a plan and purpose for you. He came, God himself, came to earth in human form on that first Christmas. And that's why Christmas is so important because God himself came to earth. I like a story that a missionary told about the chief of an African tribe. And when this tribe in Africa the chief was always chosen as the strongest man, or in other words, the strongest man was always chosen as the chief of the tribe. And the chief in the tribe was marked because he always wore a, a, a heavy headdress and ceremonial robes. Now in this African tribe, the water was scarce in that area. And so they had to dig deep wells to get down to the water table below in order to get water for the tribe. These wells could be up to 100 feet deep. They were narrow shafts. And what happened is the tribesmen would climb down the walls of this deep well with footholds down the side, carrying a water skin. And when he'd get to the bottom, he'd fill it. There was water at the bottom. He'd fill it up, and then he'd climb back out. Well, on one particular occasion, one of the tribesmen had gone down to the bottom of the well, filled his water skin and began to climb out and halfway up he slipped and he fell to the bottom and he broke his leg. He was not able to climb back out. And people heard his cries for help and no one felt they were strong enough to get him out of the well because someone would have to climb down and help him up. And finally they summoned the chief of the tribe. And the chief took off his 
heavy headdress. He took off his ceremonial robes. He climbed down into the well shaft, picked up the man with the broken leg, and climbed back out and rescued him. He did what no one else could do. And to me, that's a story of what Jesus did for us. We were not able to help ourselves. We were not able to deal with our sin. And he put aside his heavenly glory. He came down to our level to rescue us. To lift us out of our pain. To lift us out of our sin. To bring us to himself. He never ceased to be God. And yet he became one of us. God in human form to rescue us. And so Christmas is the biggest event in history. It really is. Because God himself came to earth as a human being. And so what is the reason for Christmas? The reason is that Jesus came for your benefit. He came for my benefit. Jesus came because you and I needed him to come. He didn't come simply because he had nothing else to do in heaven. He didn't come because he needed to come. He came because we needed to, him to come, even though we may not have realized it. Why did Jesus come on Christmas? Let's look at three reasons from the Bible. First of all, Jesus came to show us what God is like. We already talked about this a little bit, but let's look at Hebrews 1.3. It says, The Son, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You know, these days, people have all kinds of ideas of what God is like, don't they? People invent ideas of what God is like. God must be this way. God must be that way. Many people say they don't believe in God because God is such a way. Fill in the blank. Because God doesn't do something about this. Or because God caused this. And so I don't believe in God. And yet, none of those invented ideas about God are true. How can we tell whether an idea about God is true or not? We look at Jesus. We can read about what Jesus said. We can read about what Jesus did. We can read about what Jesus, uh, about the people Jesus interacted with in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, in the New Testament. When people say, God is like this, we look at Jesus. And if Jesus wasn't like that, then that idea is wrong. God isn't like that. People attribute all kinds of things to God that have nothing to do with God. In fact, most of the worst things that people attribute to God are really caused by the devil, the one that God is fighting, the one that God is against. And so this verse in Hebrews tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, is the exact representation of God's being. When we look at Jesus and the things he did, we see that God is love. God loves people. God loves people who do bad things. He wants to rescue them. God heals people. He cares when people are hurting, when people are sick. He wants to heal people. God is merciful. God is kind. He's a forgiving God. Those that have sinned, Jesus forgave. 
And so Jesus came to show us what God is like. He also came to show us what life should be like. Now many people are living, are not living the life that God created them to live. They're just simply existing. They're simply going through the motions. They're simply trying to get by. Trying to just put food on the table. They get up in the morning. They go to work. They make it through work, they come home, they turn on TV and watch for a while, they go to sleep, they get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they eat, they watch TV, they go to sleep. Never really fully alive, doing it over and over again. God wants us to live. It's more than just about putting food on the table. Yes, that's part of it. But God wants us to live for Him. God wants us to influence other people for Him. God wants us to live with a purpose in life. God wants us to do things in life that are going to last forever. Do things in serving Him and serving others. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, speaking of Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Oftentimes people see Things being stolen, people being killed, things being destroyed and they attribute it to God. No, God is not the author of those things. It's the thief, it's Satan himself that came to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give people life, a, a true life, an eternal life, a life that's going to last forever. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. Jesus came so that we could really live the life that God created us to live. You were not born by accident. You were born because God created you. And God has a purpose for your life. He has your life planned out. And Jesus came so that you could live the life that God has planned out for you. And the life that God has planned out for you is the best possible life you could ever have. You cannot dream of a life that's better than the one that God planned for you to live. And so Jesus came so that you and I could be connected with our Creator, the one who created us, the one who has our owner's manual. He came so that we could have life to the full. He came so that we could have a life that's not just about us. We all tend to kind of want to live a life that's just about us, don't we? But Jesus came to deliver us from a life that's just about us. He came to lead us to a life that's about Him and helping other people. But until we get connected to our Creator, we can't have that kind of life. And so Jesus came to forgive us so that we could have that kind of life, so that we could have eternal life. You see, the problem is that Sin has separated every person from their Creator. When we sin, it has separated us from God. It separated us from our Creator, from having a relationship with Him. It separated us from the life that God created us to live. 1 John 3, 5 says, And you know that Jesus appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. So yes, it's true. Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life with no sin and then he died on the cross. And on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. And he paid the penalty for our sins, which was death. 
when he died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and God raised him from the dead showing that Jesus indeed had paid the price for the forgiveness of sin. And why did Jesus choose to go through all that suffering? Why did he choose to go through all that pain? He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to come to this earth. He didn't have to go to the cross. Why did he do it? 1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is how God showed his love. Jesus came to this earth. Jesus died for you and for me because he loved us. He loved us with a great love. A love so great that he laid down his life for us. Greater love has no one than laying down your life for somebody else. Jesus loved us so much. He wanted us to have true life through him. He wanted us to be forgiven. He wanted us to have an eternal life with him. That's going to last forever in heaven. And so Jesus came to be our Savior. The second reason Christmas is so important. A young couple went out on their first Christmas to look for a Christmas tree. They wanted to get a real live Christmas tree. And so they went to the Christmas tree lot and they went through all the trees and looked and looked for the perfect tree. They finally found one that nicely pointed at the top and went wide at the bottom. Looked like it was a very full tree. They stuck it in the trunk of the car and came home. And the husband got out the Christmas tree stand and put the Christmas tree in the stand. And he let go of the tree and it promptly fell over. Well, there must be something wrong with the Christmas tree stand. And so he got another stand and put the Christmas tree in it and steadied it up there. And when he took his hands off, the tree fell over. See, what's wrong with this tree? He began to look inside the needles and he found that the trunk was, was all distorted. It was curled and different, contorted in different, a different way. It wasn't a straight trunk. The tree was flawed hopelessly on the inside, even though it looked beautiful on the outside. And that tree illustrates the reason for Christmas, because people are like that Christmas tree. And the outside, we may look like we've got it all together. People like that all around you, they look like they have life all together. They look good on the outside. But on the inside, we're flawed. We're full of disappointments. We're full of pains. We're full of bitterness. We're full of anger. We're full of sin. And we can't stand on our own. We can't get right with God on our own. We can't go to heaven on our own. We can't live the kind of life that God wants us to live on our own. We need help. And really that's the first step to getting to know Jesus, admitting that we need help. We can't do it ourselves. We need somebody to heal our brokenness. We need somebody to take away our sins. We need somebody to make us whole on the inside. And that's what Jesus came to do. And so what difference does Christmas make? 
The difference Christmas makes is that you and I can know God. You and I can know God. When the Bible says you can know God, it doesn't mean you can know about God. I mean, yes, we can know about God, but that's not the same thing as actually knowing God. We can know about, say, the President of the United States. We can know all kinds of facts about him, but that's quite different from personally knowing the person, isn't it? You can know about a person from a distance, but you can only know a person when you have a relationship with that person, when you communicate with that person. And so Christmas means that we can really know God. I mean, that's an incredible concept, isn't it? We can know God. Little old me can know the God of the universe. That's God's Christmas gift that he offers to every person. Romans 5.10 says, Since our friendship with God, you might want to circle that, friendship with God, you can be a friend of God. Since our friendship with God was restored, how? By the death of his son, speaking of Jesus, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. And so Jesus came to this earth so that we could be friends with God. Isn't that incredible? You know, if somebody said, I'm a friend of the governor, you go, oh, you know. I'm the friend of the president. Whoa, that's an important person. But you can be a friend of God. That makes you really important. That makes us all important. Jesus came so that we could talk to God. And God can talk to us. That's what prayer is all about. When you're a friend of God, you communicate with God and you hear from God. God speaks back to us. That's what prayer is all about. Jesus came so that you and I could know God's purpose for our life and actually live it out. That God would give us the power to do the things he's calling us to do. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we wouldn't, wouldn't wander aimlessly through life not knowing what to do next. That, that he would give direction to our lives. That he would order our lives every day that we would accomplish the things that he created us to accomplish. God's got your day timer or whatever you use all filled out of things he created you to do. And he wants to help you do them. According to this verse in Romans, Jesus came and died, died while we were still enemies of God. You see, we really didn't seek after God, but God came looking for us to restore our friendship with God. Jesus came as our Savior so that we could have a friendship with God that would span our, the years of our life on this earth and continue into eternity. This life is not the end. There's an eternity waiting for every person. And that eternity can be spent in one of two places. One of the places eternity can be spent in is a place called hell in which there is absolutely no interaction with God at all. And that's why it's hell. You're completely separated from God. Or you can spend eternity in a place called heaven in which you live in friendship and fellowship with God forever. You get to enjoy Him in the most incredible place of all. Heaven. And God offers this gift of eternal life freely to every person. 
It's God's Christmas gift to every person on the face of this planet. But every person doesn't receive the benefits of this gift unless they unwrap the gift. In order to receive God's gift of eternal life, you have to unwrap his gift to you. And what happens when you unwrap God's Christmas gift for you? Well then, God's gift of Jesus is a gift that will forgive every sin you've ever committed. And I know, according to the Bible, there's no person sitting here, whether young or old, that hasn't sinned. The Bible says all have sinned. And we bear the guilt of that sin. Because we all know we've sinned. But Jesus came so that we could be forgiven of every sin. Jesus came so that every hurt in our lives could be healed by his touch. Jesus came so that he could give us his love. He could fill our lives with his peace. He could fill our lives with his joy. Jesus came so that God's power could empower your life to fulfill God's purpose. And so how can we accept God's Christmas gift of Jesus, our Savior? How can we unwrap that gift if we haven't already? Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so to confess Jesus as Lord in the Bible implies three things. It implies, first of all, admitting that you've done wrong things, that you've sinned. And that separated you from God. You have to humble yourself and say, yes, I've sinned. Yes, I've done wrong. Yes, I need help. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. And what does this verse say? That God raised him from the dead. He was not just an ordinary human being. He was God come in the flesh. And he lives today. You need to believe that. And finally, you need to commit your life to following him. That's what saying Jesus is Lord means. It means what Jesus says, I will do. Where Jesus says to go, I will go. What Jesus says not to do, I won't do. I will follow him. Jesus is my Lord. He has a plan for my life and I want to follow it. To say that Jesus is Lord means that you ask for God's instruction in life and you follow it. And when Jesus is Lord, you can handle whatever comes into your life. God promises that he won't put anything in your life that's too big for you to handle. So when Jesus is your Lord, he's going to help you when you feel overwhelmed. When you're feeling depressed or discouraged... Jesus is Lord. When you're feeling worried, Jesus is Lord. When you're feeling trapped, Jesus is Lord. When you're feeling life is too much to handle, Jesus is Lord. You can turn your eyes to him and he will help you make it through. Now I believe that every person here this morning is here for a reason. It's not an accident that you're here. God is speaking to you through his word this morning. If you don't know God... And I, re I mean really to personally know him, not just about him. If you don't know him, then God wants you to accept his Christmas gift this morning. Christmas gift of Jesus. If you already know God, then God wants you, you to press in to know him better. To make a commitment at the end of 
2012 in this Christmas season that next year, 2013, you're going to follow him more closely. You're going to love him more dearly.